Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Michael Wiseman is the author of The Rye Bread Marriage, How I Found Happiness with a Partner I'll Never Understand. She is the author of four books and a freelance journalist who writes about food, families, and the reverberating impact of history. Her articles appear in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and dozens of other publications. She is the co-author with Carol Heimowitz of A History of Women in America, a narrative history published in 1980 that has sold nearly 250,000 copies. More recently, she wrote God in a Cup, a coffee travelogue for which she followed three young coffee buyers around the world. She has enjoyed a long association with New Directions, a psychoanalytically oriented writing program for scholars and psychotherapists, and she co-leads workshops at Politics and Prose that help writers delve more deeply into their own psyches. The mother and stepmother of three foodies, she has been married for 40 years to her rye bread co-conspirator, John Melngalis, a retired professor of electrical engineering at the University of Maryland, who owns a company that markets Latvian rye bread which, by the way, I bought after I read this book and tried out. It was so good. The couple live, cook, and entertain in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the rye bread marriage, how I found happiness with a partner I'll never understand. <laughs> I am to be here, Zippy. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> it's so funny because if you had a comma in the subtitle, it would always be like, how I found happiness with a partner I'll never understand. Like. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) don't choke. (laughs) 
No. I did love the subtitle. And then my editor at Algonquin went like this, Michael, it's not how I found a partner, blah, blah, blah. It's how I found a partner I'll never understand. I'm yes. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. It's perfect. It's perfect. And I love that. I mean, I think the whole cover is great. I couldn't wait to read it. And it was wonderful. And you are so funny. I love your sense of humor so much. I just ate it all up. It's... <laughs> well... I mean, symphonies just are, are you know, are, are, are stringing in the background when you say stuff like that. <laughs> no, it's true. And by the way, after I read the book, I went online and I ordered, I know you don't own the company anymore, but I went and ordered the bread sampler from Black Rooster Food. John, it's, he just has a partner because he needed a young partner who was techie wise. Yeah. But I'm very excited to try the bread. Not that, um, you know, not that I, I mean, I also grew up with rye bread, by the way, with like most, you know, I'm Ashkenazi, but anyway. Okay. Tell listeners what your book is about, please. Well, my book's about three things. It's about the meaning of rye bread in Eastern Europe, because it that's a passionate subject for my husband. It's about my husband's remarkable story as an exile. And it's about marriage and difference in marriage because we are quite different. He was a Latvian refugee. He's not Jewish. He's a physicist. I'm a writer. He sees black. I see white. And we've been together for a long time. So how does that happen that you can stay together? The moments where you're sort of on the precipice, I found to be the most like just so interesting when you're like, okay, this is the moment where I was like, okay, this is finally it. Like we're done. And then something happens and you always like go back to each other and you keep rewriting what marriage means. Like throughout the book, you're like, you know, the definition of marriage is this. And then it just, as you age and you age together, not age, but really as you go through marriage together, which it, but it's not about the aging. It's you keep refining your definition of what it means to be married. So maybe if you could just talk a little bit about how you felt like it, what it, what it really meant to you starting out and sort of where you've arrived now that you've done this like deep dive into not only your marriage, but your husband and his family and your own family and, and all of that. It's a good question. And cause you start with being, you know, you'd start with thinking the guy is sexy <laughs> and you start with wanting to be married to someone diff- who doesn't play golf because your dad, <laughs> <laughs> you start in total naivete. I did start having written a book and I knew one thing. I thought I thought getting married will not murder my selfness because I've written a book. So I'm somebody mm-hmm. and I dare to get married. And John, with all the conflicts between us, he likes powerful women. He likes women with brio. And that has been a steady thing. In some ways, I'm going to answer your question, but in some ways I think maybe we are still married because we both had mothers who loved us. Mm. Some way, if you tell John that you love him, he believes you. And if you tell me you love me, with all my mishigas and craziness, I will believe you, unless you're lying. So there's (laughs) that. But anyway, but, you, you know, so we started with this attraction and a tremendous naivete because I thought, I thought, John would be married to me and he'd become like me because he wasn't Christian. He was, he, he was a rye bread worshiping. He called himself a pagan, but he was quite in favor of liberal Judaism because of its emphasis on kids and respect for children. And and that's an interesting thing. So anyway, but we started there and then I find myself married to somebody who 
doesn't want to become like me and is so different. And these multiple definitions take place as I dig deeper and deeper and deeper over time to understand what it means to be connected. And the last definition, and I just love this, has to do with kindness. Mm -hmm. You stay together if you are lucky enough to develop compassion towards one another as the years go on. And, you know, we're still attracted to each other physically. We still like to be in the same room. But, of course, you can't count on that to the same degree. But the kindness and, and I'll say something else. I've never stopped respecting John's character, even when I want to kill him. <laughs> he is a good and decent man. And, you know, is it because I know you're remarried? It was so important. I had never had children. I had never been married before. It was so important to me that he was a good dad. That, you know, and, and, and but his mother had said to me, and that's, you know, you know, John has a good character. Mm-hmm. And he does. He has a good character. So... And he still, he drives me crazy and will, you know, in perpetuity. So <laughs> I love that because we all, I think everybody has this hope like, okay, well, we are kind of the same person now, or we are like, he will obviously become more like me, but he, there he could be helping you be more like him. You had that whole scene towards the end about the temperature in the room, which is such a mundane thing that so many people fight about and whatever. It's too cold, it's too hot, whatever. But you have this whole thing where you're like, but wait, you know, John, we are not the same person. Just because like you like it cold does not mean I like it. I actually can be hot when you are cold. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Jewish mother. It's like a joke about Jewish mothers, put on your sweater, I'm cold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why the forbearance. And But I'll say there's something else that I might have gone through my whole married life not understanding at this level if I hadn't written this book because it's a sort of meditating on his childhood during World War II and the trauma of that and his parents and understanding his parents' brilliance in protecting their family better than any other Latvian, uh, I mean, in some regards, better than any other Latvian family I know. They were based, they, they did really well as they fled. I mean, as these things go. But the more, the more I worked on it, the more he became separate from me and it was I was writing about him as a character and I saw him separate from me. And that was, it's a huge, huge, huge lesson. Because I think that because women tend to be often emotionally intelligent, we tend to think we understand everything. God knows I do until I realize I didn't understand. And now I understand. The other role in life that teaches you your own limitations of perception are being a (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-law. You know, and I adore my mother, my daughter-in-law, and I think she really loves me. And we, I have worked to understand, I, I have just worked on seeing them as separate seeing them as separate, seeing them as separate. It's it's work. It's life. It's work. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery. Perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the cat in the hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Well, you're a mother-in-law. You're also a stepmother and a grandmother. You you play some. You have some. You wear so many hats in your family. And I was really surprised, obviously, by the turn of events with your stepdaughter and the conflicts that that. And I won't like give things away. I guess it's so hard to know with memoir. But anyway, she ends up getting into a difficult situation, and of course, John feels very torn at the time, which he finally confesses to you when you're going through the sort of family stress and like, what do you do about it? And I don't know. I felt such empathy for you in that moment because you know what? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know how you feel about that now or what you want to talk about or not. What I feel about it now is I actually feel incredibly proud of our family that we came through this and she's doing really well. And I guess we're all tested in life. You know, you say you have these principles like kindness, compassion for one another, but can you live it? And so I'm, and and it's not just me I'm proud of. I'm proud of all of us, but it, it, it was not, I, I, giving things away, but this is a joke that John made. John actually said that in 2016, we got two grandchildren and one jailbird. (laughs) Brief sentence, everybody. It's a teaser. (laughs) It's a teaser, right. So life throws them at you. Never know. You just never know. And I love like how you kind of summed it all up. It actually brought tears to my eyes sort of finishing this book when you're saying like, you you just don't know. Like, I know this sounds so obvious, but the way you wrote it was so good. And just going through all of your story, like we all don't know what's coming next and, you know, we're okay. You know, that's how so many people feel, right? Like, okay, well today we're okay. Or it's like, I feel this way all the time. Like, okay, none of my kids are sick today. God willing, Did it, you know, like everything's okay. You know, knock wood. It, you know, okay. Today's all right. And then you're just you're sort of always holding your breath, but like, okay, the the juxtaposition of of holding on to when things are 
are good and knowing that at any moment it can all change and sort of holding those things together. So I feel like you did such a beautiful job of, of saying all that in your funny way and by telling your story. Sibby, you are the reader that writers dream of. I, really, to have <laughs> someone who's read with that care, I, I'm really touched. And uh, because I didn't know, does your staff read the book? Do you read no, it? I read. I read. I, I mean, I'm, you know, you read this book. Yes, I did. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. <laughs> well, I'm very, 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 very touched by that. And, and also super happy. I just want to throw out to, like, I don't have, either I read it or I read part of it, but nobody else ever reads it and tells me about it. Like, that doesn't help me. I try, at the very beginning when I started my podcast, I was like, people were like, oh, you should have people read for you. So I had a friend read a book and I was like, all right, tell me about it. But she doesn't know what I find interesting. Like, I my relationship to books is so personal. You can't have someone else read a book for you. It's like, I can't explain. I don't know. Well, you know. I mean, anyway. So no. But I'm glad I had time, and I have, and I had time to read it and everything, and I loved it. And yeah, I also learned more about the Latvian culture than I ever expected to know. Um, and I find it very interesting. I had no idea what a, like a tight knit displaced group they all are, and the you know just this fierce loyalty and connection, and you know the ways you can stay involved with that community and all these like dinner clubs or whatever. That was another wonderful scene where you really didn't want to go, and then John did, brought you the, the 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 dinner leaf and put it on the bathtub and made you dinner, and you just quietly got up and went. Oh my gosh, that was so perfect. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he really is a very lovable guy. Now, when this podcast is over, I'm going to have to go tell him all over again that he really is a very lovable guy. And he ha- but he has a sort of innate sense about me. And again, this is a thing that women always think we are the ones who know and blah, blah, blah. And we do know a lot. But he has a sort of sense when I'm in trouble and he really rises to the occasion, you know, and at I, I mean, I hope for everybody in a long-term marriage that they can feel that way. And I can't speak for everybody, but I think that some marriages are more ambivalent than others. You know, all people, you know, are, are you know, there's, there's always competing emotions. And I think our relationship has more ambivalence because of the cultural differences and also professional and that he's so numeric. Yep. And he, you know, he gives directions and I know, what are you talking about? You know, and, but, but then there's that other piece where he gets me and he doesn't want to flatten my enthusiasm or my sort of bigness in terms of personality and stuff. And that's really unusual mm-hmm. and to be, I, I just, I think I'm very lucky that way. And and then that makes me that, you know, that generosity begets generosity. If you feel that you're receiving that, you work harder to be that. And believe me, I am not always that. I am. <laughs> I think you were pretty honest. I mean, obviously I don't know you except from your book, but you seem very honest about your shortcomings and you you show us moments where you're like, this is not flattering, but I'm going to put it out there because who is flat? Who is always perfect? Nobody. Nobody is like that. No, and who wants to read a book with that kind of falseness? Mm-hmm. And I think that in terms of as a writer and fellow writer, that's the work is to 
I mean, early on when I wrote First Person Things, I, I wrote this sort of stream of consciousness, how I felt about it and defending myself. And then you wor- move into what you're doing and you realize that the work, the artistry is to, is to show, as, as they always say, is to show what goes on between people. And I think maybe I am driven to do that about marriage because I grew up you know, in that late 50s, early 60s world where everybody, that the, 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 the exteriors were so, were so polished. And I just, I was born with this sense of, of understanding when I was in the presence of lies or incomplete truths. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, I understood my own parents' marriage at a shockingly early age. I mean, I think that's the writer, that you see things. And it wasn't that their marriage was so horrible. It's just I saw the complexity and it and it confused me that nobody, the people don't tell the truth about human experience. And I think that drove me to be a writer. And then there's also the intellectual piece for me, but that's a big piece of what drove me to be a writer. So, of course... I really, you know, so in high school, you know, I, I, it took me a while to grow into my personality socially and become really socially comfortable as, as it happens for so many people. And then sometime in my mid twenties, I realized that everybody was as insecure as I, and it totally changed my life, you know, and I will address that in the room and I'll, I'll walk up to somebody and I say, Oh my God, you really, this, you know, you know, I, 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 you know, you really must be going through a time or, I mean, or something more subtle than that, I hope. But but just making reference to other pe- the reality of life instead of all that, you know, all that kind of country club chatter yep. and cocktails that was the life that people led then. And we live, with some, you know, we live a different life happily. My, I remember my mother telling me this when I was you know, totally insecure and shy and feeling awkward in like sixth grade at a dance and things like that. And she would be like, you know, Zip, everybody feels the same way. And I'm like, but they don't, they don't feel this way. (laughs) They're running around confident and like playing games or like chatting with all the boys or just like, there's no way because I can see that they're fine. (laughs) Right. And, and her, what she said was both true and not true, you know, because some people do do that do do high school better. They're not necessarily the best, the most successful human beings. Yeah. I'm in, I was having middle school here. I, oh, you know, oh, 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 really, really. <laughs> really taking it back, but yes. <laughs> the really painful time. The really right. painful time for sure. You also with John, and I don't feel like this is a spoiler because it comes up pretty early, but you know, John also is bipolar and you have to deal with the added complications of that. And you talk throughout the book about different times when he's having a manic episode and you're just like, John, you're manic today, you know, like cut it out, you know, cut it out as if someone's like, you know, music on too loud or something. Right. Exactly. That's really a great metaphor. Yes. He is bipolar and we have lived with that our whole married life. But I will, I will say this, that he's also, that that's where being such a disciplined person in the training as a scientist, he Always, you know, he takes care of himself. He gets exercise, even he gets exercise almost every day. He has for the, the whole life of our marriage. So it's not, there are times when he's just 
you know, there are times when he's manic and it's difficult. And I'm constantly trying to learn how to negotiate that and not blame him for it and not and understand that at those moments, his thinking is very rigid and that I, he, doesn't under, he doesn't understand that another person is another person. And that's the nature of the illness. But I have always felt that he was working hard to, you know, have a solid, to be solid. And he was hospitalized once before we were married. And so I haven't gone through the horrors of that, that, that people do. Yeah. Still, it's just another, another thing to contend with. Thank you. And thank you so much, Zippy. I've had someone. You too. Thank you so much for coming on. I love the book. Take care. Let's stay in touch. I would love that. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.